It is June, and I want to give a shout out to all the wonderful people who go to patreon.com and support Set Lustig Bruce. Let's give a wonderful thank you to Jeff Ulmer, Sylvia L, Liz Brunson, Fernando Santamaria Lozano, Steve Vansack, Rob Barnett, Randy Brown, Crystal Carroll, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Captain America, Dale Hozak, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. Thank you so much for being here and providing support. Because of these wonderful people, Set Lusting Bruce continues to happen. For now, on to the podcast. have I've been thinking about this and I don't have like a lightning strike lightning bolt moment like a lot of people do when they first heard Bruce and, yeah. and fell in love um I just kind of remember his music just always being there so mm-hmm. I was born in 66 so 75 when Born to Run came out I I do remember my uh my boyfriend at the well a little bit later than that late 70s yeah boyfriend at the time singing Born to Run to me, which is (laughs) um, a good fallback for lots of fellas. Yes. (laughs) And um, so I remember, uh, I remember that, but I don't, I don't, I just have that sort of vague memory. When we moved to Florida in 81, though, from Pennsylvania, my two best friends who are still very close, very close pals were way into Bruce and um, so thanks to them, I, you know, I listened all the time and we, those were the two girls that uh, we camped out outside of Peaches records for the Born in the USA tour. And um, I've been to, I don't know, half a dozen shows with one or both of them over the years. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Um, Joining me uh, tonight is Wendy. We've already had a lovely conversation about about some good stuff and some bad stuff. Today, as a recording, is March 30th, and news came out of New York that makes... This blueberry in a strawberry patch, very happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and Wendy said, "Can we just talk about that for a while?" I said, "No, <laughs> we probably stick to Bruce." But welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, um, you, you, we, Wendy, but you got the Beach Boys. You got you got Bruce. <laughs> uh, you've got Peter Pan. Wendy is a cool name. Thank you. Don't forget the association, right? Yeah. Although that's, exactly. that's windy, but I got that a lot growing up. Everyone yeah. knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little about yourself. 
I am a writer and editor. I live in Tampa, Florida. Uh, lucky enough to be the site of the first show on the tour um, in February. Um, I have a 23-year-old son who's a musician in Nashville. He just graduated from Belmont last year and is gigging and trying to make it happen. Um, I used to be a journalist. I was a stringer for Time Magazine for a long time. I was a magazine editor, wrote for newspapers and uh, lots of publications. And now I'm an editor for a research firm. We do forecasting and data analysis on um, business trends and, and issues. Ah, so I run a contact center. Am I going to continue having problem hiring people? <laughs> I'll have to look into that for you, but I'll, I'll get back to you. No, uh, yeah, we, the uh, talent, uh, the talent. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I'm here in Dallas where there are dozens if not hundreds of contact centers and my um my poor hr person um she calls and they go is it remote and she goes well we need you to come in house and learn and then after three months if you're doing well click <laughs> click <laughs> you know so uh life after covid is very different um so anyway welcome i'm so glad you're here um, I, I bet you could spend an hour just talking about stories, doing stuff for time. I, I'm sure there's some cool stories from that. Yeah, that was, I was with the magazine back in, and again, I was a freelancer. I wasn't a yeah. staffer, but yeah. um, in the early 2000s. So right around the start of the, the Iraq war, um, mm. I covered a terrorism trial that happened here in Tampa, uh, Samuel Arian, who was a USF University of South Florida professor who mm -hmm. was arrested and charged with many counts of terrorism. Um, he was eventually found, it was a very long trial. He was eventually um, found not guilty except for one count. Mm. Uh, that was, it was an amazing experience covering that trial and, um, you know, getting to know the federal justice system a little bit during that time. And other, I did other, fun stories, feature stories, like one about um, uh, souped up lawnmowers. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I think the beauty of right of being a freelancer is the wide variety of stories you get to you. It's hard to get bored, right? Because each thing you go to something very serious, like you said, to something silly. So that keeps your interest sparked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. My favorite job when I was younger was I was the arts editor for creative loafing newspaper in Atlanta. It's a weekly alternative paper. It's still around. It's mm -hmm. not, I don't think it's in print anymore. I think it's just online, but that was an amazing time to be in that business. Um, just the Olympics came to Atlanta. The music scene was really on fire. It was just, it was a fantastic, fantastic job. I was super lucky to, to work there. That sounds fun. All right. So we always like to start at the beginning. So where did you grow up uh, and what kind of music were your parents listening to when you were a child? I was born in Richmond and we moved around a bit. Most of my childhood was in York, Pennsylvania, uh, about halfway between Philly and um, Pittsburgh, okay. sort of you know, right in the middle of the state very close to the, the Maryland border. Um, and then we moved to Florida when I was 15 in the start of the eighties. So my parents 
were children of the 60s. Um, very politically active. They went to the March on Washington. They were always involved in local politics and national issues. In fact, um, one of my first memories is of watching the Watergate trial on TV um, after my the hearings after my um, swim practice when we lived in Savannah. So, so I grew up with that, uh, you know, that that environment. Lots of politics. Lots of sixties. Um, kind of stuff, you know, um, and music was always on in our house. We, my parents listened to the Beatles, um, Simon and Garfunkel, the Grateful Dead, Santana was, uh, a big favorite of both of them. I remember we had, um, one of those giant console stereo systems, you know, that looks like a huge piece of furniture and it had we had Life. the same. Did you? Yeah, I think everybody yes. did. You, you yeah. lift up the lid and the radio and the turntable and all the things. But it had lights built into the speakers that would flash and in time to the music. So every time I hear Santana now, I see in my in my memory those those silly lights flashing. It just seemed so cool at the time. And um and they also listened to um the Moody Blues and Pink Floyd. Uh not super easy for me to listen to those two anymore. Um, I get a little, a little bit anxious. Yeah. <laughs> those, those, uh, those two were not during particularly happy times. Um, but uh, I also had, I had an aunt who was 10 years older and a cousin who was five years older. So I got a lot of my music education from them as well. Led Zeppelin, um, the Stones, Crosby, Stills and Nash. So really just a pretty broad, uh, foundation in my in my musical history. So one of the things that you made me think is uh, I was God. This is probably years ago, but I was at lunch with one of my best friends I worked with, and uh, we've remained close friends even though you know he's still at the same company. But I've gone through two or three jobs since, and I don't remember what brought it to, but I remember. I was telling him the story that the the news was had uh, people at the Astrodome talking about the night that Nixon was going to resign, that somebody says, well, the result of that speech is is known. The result of this ballgame isn't. So I've decided to go to the ballgame. And my friend looks at us and goes, how old are you? <laughs> and I'm like, what? I, I, get, I mean, you know, I was born in 59. You were born during the Eisenhower administration? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess. I, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you say, okay. so all of a sudden I felt like, oh, am I Rick Van Winkle or what? <laughs> so, yes, I remember uh, the Watergate trials. Um, mm -hmm. My parents weren't political at all. Um, I, I can vaguely remember more of emotion of um, President Kennedy's funeral and the cartoons not being on, you know, mm -hmm. that was like, hey, what's the deal? So that's great. Um, did you did you embrace your parents music? Did you rebel? Did you find your own music as you started getting to be a teenager and, you know, hitting high school and college? I think I embraced it. I okay. I never went through a real rebellious phase 
at all that I my mother might have a different answer. Yeah, uh, please, I'm, they all do. Yes. <laughs> but I think I was a pretty good kid. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, my parent, as far as music, I, I was aligned with my parents' taste pretty much from, from the start and that, you know, they had good taste. So yeah, no, that's they, great music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were not into Bruce. I don't, I don't recall ever um, hearing Springsteen in the house, you know, as much as we heard everybody else so um if you can do you remember when you first became aware of bruce and if you can articulate it what about him spoke to you i don't have i've been thinking about this and i don't have like a lightning strike lightning bolt moment like a lot of people do when they first heard bruce and, yeah. and fell in love um i just kind of remember his music just always being there. So mm -hmm. I was born in 66. So 75 when Born to Run came out, I, I do remember my, uh, my boyfriend at the, well, a little bit later than that, late seventies yeah. boyfriend at the time singing Born to Run to me, which is, <laughs> um, uh, a good fallback for lots of fellas. Yes. <laughs> and, um, so I remember, uh, I remember that, but I don't, I don't, I just, have that sort of vague memory. When we moved to Florida in 81, though, from Pennsylvania, my two best friends who are still very close, very close pals were way into Bruce. And um, so thanks to them, I, you know, I listened all the time and we, those were the two girls that uh, we camped out outside of Peaches records for the Born in the USA tour. And um, I've been to, I don't know, half a dozen shows with one or both of them over the years. Was that Born in the USA your first show? Mm -hmm. Yep. It was December uh, 84 and it was in Tallahassee and he played Santa Claus and we had a blast. We stayed in some you know, crappy little dive hotel because we were all broke. I don't even know if we could afford beer at the time, but we somehow made it up to, to uh, Tallahassee. It's about a four hour drive. And um, in fact, one of those girls, Laura, was supposed to go with me to Greensboro last weekend for the show and uh, had to cancel at the last minute. So um, so we're still, you know, trying. <laughs> to see That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, so I, I, um, I often, I always like to preface this, Wendy, with the amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. I think it has a lot to do with your age, your economic situation, where you live. Uh, you know, if you lived in the East Coast growing up in the, the 70s, you know, there's a chance you saw Bruce a lot versus like someone else growing up in Louisiana and then moving to Texas. It's not as often. But do you count? the noun of shows? And if so, how many? I tried to make a list the other day okay. and I, I came up with close to 20. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm constantly like remembering, uh, I need to find a website or something and look and see all the tours and try to match them up that way. But um, yeah, I think I'm close to 20, which, you know, like you said, makes me a newbie compared, <laughs> compared to a, a lot of people. people. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I am putting in the chat um, it is my boss time is the name of the website 
Uh, he's actually been on the podcast. Um, it is a free, you set up an account and he has every tour listed. Hmm. And so you go and you go to, you know, the born in the USA tour and uh, that, and you click it and then and it behind the scenes calculates and then you get the fun nerdy things like um i've done 19 shows and it tells me these are your rarest songs like he's only played the wall eight times you were able to see that once and then it tells you what songs you've heard the most and to me i've heard the rising on every show i've gone to Mm. Uh, and then so and it gives you that and then it to get really geeky, it shows you all the albums and then what percentage of the albums you've heard live. Oh, it it's be careful. You have time, but it is a rabbit hole that is so much fun. I love that. That sounds yes. great. Yeah. So at totally. the check out. good. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right. So um I I'm gonna ask you some more questions, but I have to talk about that night in Atlanta. But before that, um, listeners, hang tight. We got to take a break. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute or two to hear about a special backstage visit. We will be back in just a moment. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Okay, and we're back. 
So um, pulling back the curtain, uh, when I invite my guests, you know, I send a link to where they book and I give it, please share a little about yourself. Some people leave nothing. Other people, um, one sentence, but the people I love give me like, oh, let me give you a little bit ideas of things to talk about. So you said one night in Atlanta, you did make it backstage. I have to hear this story. Go for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's a treasured memory, um, but also uh, a sheepish memory. <laughs> um, it was on the rising tour and I was living in Tampa. My son was three so I loaded him up in the car. We drove to Atlanta um, and a friend of mine worked at Southern Trucks, the studio where they recorded The Rising and I think a couple of records after that too. Um, so my friend Jeff had become close with Bruce and sort of his Atlanta ambassador and showed him around and so forth. So Jeff got me a backstage pass and um, it was amazing. I, I I uh, I got to have dinner backstage with the band. I met Terry. Um, it's a lot of it is a blur because I was just so overwhelmed with and just the just the reality that I was like right here and Bruce is like a few feet that way and um, Clarence was uh, was on a treadmill in the hallway and he after this was after dinner a little bit close to the showtime and he was on a treadmill walking and he was wearing a kilt and um jeff introduced me to him and he gave me a big smile and he just looked like he was you know having the time of his life gave me a big wave um i got to go stevie and jeff and i and a couple other people walked outside i don't recall exactly how that happened but we were we were outside. There were a couple news helicopters hovering, and Stevie said something about you know hoping there wasn't a, some kind of terrorist threat or something. And he just he didn't realize that the band being there was big was big news. So um, that it was just it was just so much fun. The sheepish part is that I got to meet Bruce. Uh, my friend Jeff and I were in that hallway a little bit closer to the, to the showtime. And there was a pretty big crowd around, around Bruce. People were shaking hands and chatting and taking pictures and um, they all dispersed. And then it was just Bruce and Jeff and me and Jeff introduced me. This is my friend, Wendy. We shook hands and he kind of, you know, gave me a little once over and I froze. I just could not come up with anything to say. And I just squeaked out, hi, <laughs> and then just stood there. And he kind of looked at me like he was waiting for me to say something. And when it was clear that nothing was happening, he just turned to Jeff and they started talking and carried on their conversation with me just standing there like trembling <laughs> like a 12 year old. Um, but I, you know, to this day, I still don't know what I would have said. I've thought about that, like what what would have been appropriate, what would have, you know, endeared me to him forever, <laughs> and, um, you know, what do you say to Bruce Springsteen when you're a fan, other than just thank you, you know? I, um, but I, I, it was lovely to get to meet him and have that moment, even though it's one of the most embarrassing <laughs> memories of my life. Did you get a photo? No, no, no. This was, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. Yeah. I don't think in yeah. in, in two thousand three. Mm -hmm. And if I did, I probably, you know, 
sure. <laughs> forgotten all about it or something. But yeah, that's another, I, I wish we had had a little camera to take a picture. That would have been great too. It, and I had an eight hour drive from Tampa and I should have taken some of that time to figure out something just in mm-hmm. case I was able to meet him, but I didn't. Yeah. Well, but you got a nice moment with Clarence and with Stevie. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's kind of nice. Oh, yeah. That's very it's, cool. Yeah. No, no regrets about that. It was, it yeah. was amazing. And I, I was able to be in the pit um, for the show, which was, you know, phenomenal. So. Yeah. Did. um, So. I want to get to the latest shows, but any other stories from the past that, you know, where you had some adventures you want to share? There was the show, a very meaningful, moving experience was the first show after Danny died. Yeah. Uh, the the show was in Tampa and uh, just the, the, it was just so moving. They came out, they did back streets and showed some, you know, photos and video and it just the you could have in the audience you could have heard a pin drop people were just completely still and silent and enraptured with the music and Bruce was just wailing you know it it was just a beautiful experience so moving and I'm kind of feeling that in this tour in a way um, that sort of poignancy backstreets is it's a, it feels like a whole new song in a way. Um, just the power of it, you know, we're all getting older. It's, you know, that, that is sort of the theme of this tour aging and losing people and sort of too many goodbyes and not enough hellos and and all of that. Um, and I felt that really intensely in Greensboro last weekend during Backstreets. I, I was crying and I was trying to like not let anybody see. I was right in front of the stage and I didn't want to, you know, but I'm sure I wasn't the only one um, because it was just a a really powerful experience. Do you, so you did, you did Tampa opening night and then Greensboro. So you've gone two on the tour. Uh, We also went to Atlanta. So Tampa, Atlanta, and then, and then Greensboro. So how is your feeling about the set list not changing much? Oh, I couldn't care less, <laughs> really. I mean, you know, every every show is is that night's experience. Like, I don't. It doesn't matter to me, really. I mean, if okay, let me let me just soften that a little bit. If he stopped playing "Born to Run," I would probably not be very happy. Um, and you know, a couple others, Backstreets, I would I wouldn't want to miss. Um, it's always a thrill. Like last night I was watching the live stream from Detroit and when darkness started, you know, you get the goosebumps and the, the stomach flip and all of that. Um, but as far as being there live and getting annoyed that the, that the set list hasn't changed, I, that that's just not an issue for me. I I love that Wendy. I had a guest on, uh, probably about a year and a half ago and she just the sweet person, but she mentioned, you know, and this is a phrase you've heard. Um, you know, I've experienced that. I don't need to hear born to run again. I've heard it X amount of times. And I said, I get that. I said, but just for a moment, I want you to think you're going to your first Bruce Springsteen show. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't play born to run, how disappointed are you? Right. And she said, you're right. I will never think that again. And in fact, 
uh, Mark Dempsey and I were talking, he's, he's from the UK. Uh, we've gotten to be friends. And he said that I watch Bruce, the whole show. I stare at Bruce or I stare at, you know, uh, Max or, you know, I look at the band when born to run comes on, I turn around my back to the stage and I watch the audience mm -hmm. because the joy of people that are seeing that. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that's well said it is. Um, and I, I had someone on the podcast earlier um, and she was saying, and I loved her way. She goes, obviously there are songs that I've heard enough live that I'm okay if I don't hear them again, but I know those songs are different than what other person might say. Well, I've heard this song enough, right? It's, we all have different feelings. So mm -hmm. do it. Um, I sent you in the chat, uh, Craig Colby, um, is a Canadian TV producer, um, and he wrote up what he thought the the set list meant to him. He the meanings behind every song, because you know Stephen has said um, we're telling a story. Mm -hmm. This is what this is about, and I thought he really nailed it pretty well. Um, that. And I feel like he's telling a story. I was able to go to three shows and I I loved every minute of it. I, I didn't um now I got lucky in Houston and in Austin. He did if I was the priest, and that was great. But you guys got Burning Train, and I really would have loved Burning Train. <laughs> so, you know, it it but uh, it it's just it's just so good to have them back in our lives. Yes. It, the idea to see them live again and that, um, as I talked about, I'm 63, I'll be 64 in June. Um, I understand that the road in front of me is shorter than the road behind me. Mm -hmm. And I know that band feels the same way. I felt like it during the river tour, that there was a sense of joy and happiness that we don't know how much longer we're going to do this. Uh, David Bowie had died. Prince had died. Glenn Fry, all these others. And now then, since then, you think of John Prine and all these other, you know, the, like, you know, we're blessed. We've gotten to do this and we're going to love it every moment. Yes. Yes. I totally feel that. And I, I admit, I get, I do get a little bit touchy when people are complaining about the set list like because like you said there are people in the audience who this could be their first show you know this yes. could be their first tour and um just because you are able to go to 16 shows and one tour you know that's a little bit selfish and yeah. um, but at the same time you know like you said the joy I, he bruce seems so in the Greensboro show last weekend, I was up against the stage and it was a completely different experience than I've ever had before. Um, getting to see the expressions on their faces and really feel, really feel the emotion. It was just such an amazing, amazing night. But he seems like he's getting younger. <laughs> he has more energy. He just seems different 
now than he did even at the start of the tour in Tampa and Atlanta. And granted, I wasn't like up close for those two. Well, I was kind of close in Tampa, but um, not up against the stage where like he was sweating on me. But um, he is just getting so energized by this tour. And he looks like he's having the time of his life. The, The joy on his face, you know, is is equal to the joy that he's giving to all of us. Yeah, I, I, I'm swearing there's, there's a photo, there's a painting of him in an mm-hmm. attic somewhere, right? And it's like, that's, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, it is, um, it, it is amazing to see them. Um, and they do look like they're having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember hearing an interview with Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys once, and he said that he and I don't remember which song um, I want to say help me Rhonda, but he doesn't do lead on help me Rhonda. But it was a song. He says, I'm just tired of doing this song. I've done it thousands of thousands of time and I'm on stage and I'm just like, do I really have to sing this song again? And he says, and all of a sudden I was feeling that way. And I looked at the audience lighting up because we were doing this song and I felt a revival of why I love this song. Mm-hmm. And I I remember when the great Linda Ronstadt was on Johnny Carson, which is, you know, for my younger audience, they're going, who? But um she talked about he was she was talking to Johnny and he said, uh, I understand you went and saw Frank Sinatra. She goes, yes. And she goes, it was amazing. And she goes, and it gave me insight. I wanted to hear him do a whole selection of songs. And she goes, and I started thinking about, like, I'm going, do I really need to do Blue Bayou again? Do I really need to do Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me? And I realized my audience is me wanting to see Frank Sinatra. So of course I've got to do those songs. Right. And I just think that's great. And I, I get mad at, I get frustrated too. I get very frustrated that um, the idea like, Hey, he always changes the set list and I bought three tickets for the shows. And now that I'm getting the same show, well, you know, get over it. And and it's not the same show. No. It's, just, it's absolutely not. Every night is different with, yeah. with this guy and the band. Yeah. And, and so what I answered, I said, I've seen three shows. I was not bored in one of them. I saw four shows on the River Tour. I was not bored at one of them. I have seen Casablanca a <laughs> million times. I'm never bored when I watch Casablanca. I, I've watched Shawshank Redemption tons of times i'm mm. never bored when i do that when i hear pet sounds i'm never bored hearing that album mm. right like this look at you and not this right because how many times do we rewatch a movie or yeah. do something and and it gives us the same joy yes exactly absolutely I yeah. are you do you have plans to do other shows this tour I hope so. I don't okay. currently have any tickets, but hoping the stars align for Me later too. in the year, for sure. Yeah. So um, a friend of mine on Twitter said, um, do you know of anyone 
who needs a ticket for Cleveland or do you want it? And I was like, that's April 5th, Wednesday. No, I was like, I looked up flights, you know, I tried to like, okay, it's an 18 hour drive from Dallas. Can I miss work? And I, and I ended up going, no, I just can't. Um, it's so I, tempting though, right? It yeah. was tempting. It was so tempting. Uh, and a, another buddy of mine reached out and said, Hey, are you coming to see Bruce in San Diego? Because we haven't seen each other forever. Like, no, but I'm tempted, right? Um, <laughs> I think you should go. Both of them. Go to yeah, Cleveland. Go exactly. To um, we, I, I've told the story multiple times on the podcast, but I'm, I think it's worth telling is um, I've, I've struggled with weight my whole life. And I was at a Weight Watchers meeting and the leader told me something or told the group that something that has stuck with me. She said, you're on the program and you want a piece of chocolate cake. And what you do is you eat the cake and then you feel like crap the rest of the day because you ate the cake or you don't eat the cake and then you're mad at yourself and you're angry that you've been deprived of that cake. She goes, why don't you change it? If you want the cake, eat it, enjoy it, relish the taste of that cake, and get back on the program. Or don't eat the cake and be proud. Be happy that you stick to the program and congratulate yourself that you didn't eat the cake. And I said, I feel that way about tickets. What happens is you buy the tickets because you worry they're going to sell out, and then you're mad that you overpaid, right? Because there's now tickets available for 50 bucks. Yeah. So there's two things. You can buy the tickets when they go on sale, and that way you know you have the tickets. Mm -hmm. That way I've got whatever I had to pay. I have the tickets. I now can make airline plans. I can get hotels, or I'm not going to buy tickets, and I'm going to wait and see. And then if I end up getting to go to the show, great. If I don't, it's okay. And I think what happens is I've seen so many people get upset about, oh, my God, I can't believe I paid 300 bucks a seat. And now then I could have got them for 50 bucks, you know, well, but you got the tickets, right? right? Yeah. Right. So that's, I don't really, that's not a question I was just sharing. So please, any thoughts you want to give me? <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I so I, I love the analogy of Bruce as chocolate cake. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I so I, I wasn't planning to go to Greensboro, and it kind of fits your story a little bit. It was um, it the show was on the twenty fifth. My birthday was the twenty sixth, mm -hmm. and so about a, I think it was like a week before the show. I just decided. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go. And one of my girlfriends was, I convinced her to come meet me in Greensboro. She lives in Charlottesville at the end. She wasn't allowed to make it or wasn't allowed, wasn't able to make it. <laughs> See, I'm thinking we're back in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her mom and dad said, no, it's a school night. Know, you can't go. Exactly. <laughs> she wasn't able to make it at the last minute, but she had not bought a ticket. And yeah. we had spoken during that week about, you know, I was trying, I was, she's not as rabid as I am over the past 
couple of decades. So I was aware of the drop tickets at the end of the, you know, right before the show and all of that. And she was really anxious about waiting that long. And um, uh, anyway, she ended up not coming and, and she's very much a planner. So she was super uncomfortable with the, you know, the notion of waiting until she actually got to Greensboro to, to find a ticket online. So. I, yeah, I, I love that. Um, are there, do you have favorite songs or albums that you go to on a regular basis that, that feed your soul? Mm. All of them really. That's good. I listen to darkness probably more than all the others uh, or I have over the years. I would say I've never really thought about that. Like which, which uh, I, I don't, that question is so hard. Everybody says it's like picking your own, your, you know, your favorite kid. Yes. Um, I live, I probably have listened to darkness more, more than all the others, but I love Western stars. That's been in heavy rotation for the past year. It's just so beautiful. And letter to you. Um, yeah, I would say those are the top three in the past, in my history of Bruce love. <laughs> so I just, um, I just was invited to join a podcast network and, um, I've been independent for the past three or four years and I'm excited. And one of the new hosts was saying, Hey, I want to do a, a an episode about, um, artists who, after what you would think of their creative high come up with something amazing. And he mentioned like David Bowie's last album. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm biased, but, but I would argue that Western stars and letter to you are, are really strong Absolutely. for someone who's been doing this long. I, I mm-hmm. love the covers album. It's fun. It, 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 you know, this is just, he wanted to do it and he did it. And mm-hmm. so when you throw it in the car and you've got the window down, it it's a fun listen to, but I don't, I think that's all it was just for fun. But I think Western stars and letter to you and a letter to you, especially is just, he, at this age, he still has something to say to us. And I think that's pretty amazing. Yes, absolutely. I totally yeah. agree. They're, they're both so powerful in very different ways, I think. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that I've watched, you know, talk about watching movies a hundred times. I think I've, I've uh, worn them both out on my, on uh, uh, watching them online. They're just, just both amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I the covers that you said about the covers record that was a lot of fun, but I have to say, seeing Bruce and and Curtis like up front within inches of me yeah. doing night shift was just you know magnificent. Oh, <laughs> so, I yeah. yeah, I mean, there are two or three songs. In fact, what I thought they were going to do, and of course. Bruce is not calling me up asking. Um, I thought that he would pick three or four of those songs. And instead of doing shout, he'd rotate. That is kind of the closing song, right? Like one of these. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, instead, you know, he knows what he's doing. But yes, I I love these. And I wouldn't mind hearing two or three. I think, um, you know, 
I wish it would rain is it sounds like a Bruce song. So yes, it, I would love, I'd love to hear them. That That's great. Yeah. Um, Congratulations, by the way, on the networks. Yes, it, yeah, it's 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 yeah, pretty cool. It was it was nice to be wanted. I was like, uh, they no, they reached out and said, um, make a note to edit this out. But they said we don't have a Bruce. It's it it's Pantheon, and they oh. do nothing but music podcasts. That's all they do. And they reached out and said we don't have a Springsteen podcast. Would you be interested in joining us? And I go, yeah. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's really fun. Um. So you, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to ask, is there songs you're chasing? Is there a song that you haven't got to hear live that you're still wanting? I don't think so. No, I, I've never gone into a show, you know, with that kind of yeah. wish. It's always just whatever, whatever happens during that night. Um, I'm generally pretty happy with it. I, I I love that mindset of yours that you're going in eager for what the universe is going to give you. The I just whatever you, you're going to give me what I need at this given moment, and mm-hmm. I have faith in the Bruce universe to deliver. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely adore that. I I think that is so well done. Lovely um, way to put it. Whatever yeah. you need on that given night, and that has been true over the past 40 years of going to shows. That's absolutely been true. Yeah. Um, one of the other shows I do is I do a um, songs of your life. And what I give you 11 questions, like what song, um, what song do you hate? What song do you think is overrated? What song made you fall in love with Bruce? What song do you never get tired of hearing? You know, and um uh, I my guest one of my guests who did this said the song I hate the last song of the set. Oh yes, <laughs> I said okay that is the perfect answer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is good. Uh, all right, I made you laugh, and listeners, we we're going to take a detour for just a few minutes. So if you do not want to get serious. Um, I totally respect you and, and I move it. So jump ahead for a few minutes. Uh, but you are a volunteer leader for a pretty important organization. So tell me a little bit about this. Oh, thanks. Um, so yes, I'm a volunteer with Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. I'm the co-leader for the Florida chapter. Um, we advocate for stronger gun laws uh, at the state level, the national level, even at the local level. And we work on um, measures that like secure storage, um, gun locks, things like that, and awareness campaigns in our schools and at, at the local level to try to keep guns out of the wrong hands and try to keep our kids and communities safe. How did you get involved with this program? I got involved because there was an incident at my son's school when he was he was in high school I think he was in ninth grade 10th grade um I went to pick him up I as I pulled up in the car line there were cops everywhere the campus was just crawling with police officers there was a helicopter and I jumped out of the car because 
that's what a mom does, right? And I was running toward the school. I got practically tackled by a couple of big police officers and told to get back in my car. And Jacob, my son, was he quickly texted me, um, you know, during that same moment and told me what was going on. There was he didn't know at the mo- at that time there was uh, th- they just moved the kids back inside and had them on lockdown for about 45 minutes because as it turned out, there was a stolen car in the neighborhood that had a gun uh, in, in the car. So it was, you know, the quote, an abundance of caution, et cetera, et cetera. I had already been aware of mom's demand action at that point. But when I got home that day, I uh, got online and uh, emailed somebody, I don't remember exactly who it was, and said, you know, sign me up, I need to do more here. And so I ended up, at that time, we didn't have a local group in Tampa. So I started the local group here. We used to have, you know, our meetings in my living room around the coffee table with, you know, four or five people. And I've been involved since then, and now uh, lead co-lead the the Florida chapter. It's an amazing organization. Um, the people that I've met through this work are devoted, committed. You know, we don't get we don't get paid, <laughs> and it's it's really um, frustrating sometimes, especially when you have a week like this one when we woke up Monday morning to the Nashville school shooting. Um, the tragedy there, you know, it's, it's been such a crazy week, (sighs) just the sort of whiplash of from going from that to seeing the demonstration today, thousands of people showing up the Nashville, uh, at the, at the Tennessee state Capitol in Nashville and demanding that governor Lee and the, the Republican controlled legislature do something to stop this. There was another shooting in Memphis last night. I believe seven people were shot and two of them are dead. Um, you know, at Miami beach just two weeks ago over a, a spring break weekend, two people were killed. And I watched, I watched that hearing the Miami beach council, uh, where they were trying to address this issue and figure out what to do about it. And they, decided they were going to institute a curfew. And I'm sitting here at home watching, and I just was enraged at this idea that that we have to, that, that we're, what was the quote that you said earlier? Um, the Simpsons so one of my favorite Simpsons quotes is we've tried nothing. We've tried nothing and we're all out of options. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I see a curfew. You know, yeah. gun violence does not, take place at a particular time of day right there need to be stronger gun laws and then today the florida legislature actually the senate today passed permitless carry which means that anybody in the state of florida can get a firearm can carry a concealed firearm without having obtained a permit or any kind of safety training so they're they have effectively obliterated the the most important safety measures that we have on firearms in this state. I listened to the House debate last Friday on my way to Greensboro. So um, that was a particularly poignant sort of trip for me watching or listening online uh, on the radio as uh, as these legislators who are completely beholden to the gun lobby and the manufacturer's money that lines their pockets um, talk about 
you know, the only cr criminals don't believe in laws and it, it, it's just absurd. Some of their arguments are worse than doing nothing. Um, so yeah, it's been a difficult week. DeSantis, our governor DeSantis is, is going to sign this bill. And, you know, like in other states where they've signed permitless carry, Texas is one yes, of them. Yes, exactly. I mean, you've all the shooting. I mean, where, and you find out afterwards that the police did nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, it, it, it is just, it is, it is so sad that I walked in, you know, to the bedroom. My my wife was watching TV and she's like, another shooting. And I'm like, oh, I know. And it just, um, and, and I actually emailed you and I said, hey, Wendy, I see what you do. Um, I think this is an important topic, but I don't want to i don't want to muddy the waters if you just want to talk about bruce and you were kindly enough to say no this is important and i'm glad to share um i am i get so frustrated because we we aren't doing anything i you, you know I, I we won't even have the discussion you know um and I, I know you can't answer this, but I'm curious. Mothers Against Drunk Driving made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a time when if you were caught drinking, the police would have said, okay, scoot over, follow me, let me get them home. Mm -hmm. You know, Or, hey, kids, you should be careful. And it has become socially unacceptable to drink and drive. I mean, it is everywhere. Um, and it just goes to show how strong of a lobby this is and how people are wrapped up into this belief that it it feels like we can't even move an inch. What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. I totally hear you. It feels as though nothing is happening. And in a lot of of states like Florida, like Texas, like Tennessee, we're actually going backwards. Yes. Um, but we have made a lot of progress at the state level, not big sweeping federal legislation on universal background checks and reinstating the assault weapons ban. Those are the big things that we are fighting like hell to get um, passed at the federal level. But at the state level, we have made a tremendous amount of progress in the past 10 years since Shannon Watts started this organization. And in fact, she modeled it after Mothers Against Drunk Driving. She went on Facebook the day after uh, the Sandy Hook shooting and said, where is the Mothers Against Drunk Driving for gun violence? Yeah. And that's how Moms Demand Action came to be. So at the state level, we are making progress, um, disarming domestic abusers, um, making sure that secure storage laws are in place in a lot of in a lot of states, um, getting background checks, uh, raising the age to purchase a weapon from 18 to 21. In Florida, we passed a wonderful slate of gun violence measure prevention measures in 2018, right after the Parkland murders. 
and now DeSantis and the the supermajority of Republicans in the Florida in the Florida legislature are obliterating that progress. We raised the age of purchase from 18 to 21. They're trying to knock it back down. We instituted red flag laws, which means that law enforcement can temporarily, with a judge's approval, remove a firearm from an individual who uh, is deemed to be a danger to himself or others. We, there were measures to, you know, toughen up security in schools, et cetera, et cetera. And now the legislature is just decimating all of that progress. And we're going to go back to um, the the level of gun violence that, and it's, you know, it hasn't, uh, it, it, in the states where permitless carry is now law, like Texas and Tennessee, the gun violence rates, the, the homicide by gun rates have gone up by 11 to 15% since permitless carry was made law. The things you're suggesting and talking about, none of them are about you're going to take away my gun. Right. You're exactly. going to destroy my rights. Mm-hmm. And and let's you can get in a whole debate about the Second Amendment. And I, you know, and I, I don't want to touch that hot potato. All I want to know is that. We had this. I'm not trying to make this trite, but we had after 9-11 scares and you can't carry my three inch pen knife into a mm-hmm. plane anymore. Yep, exactly. I can't do that um, for the longest time because of the the scare. You couldn't get equal on a plane because mm-hmm. it looked too bad. Um, there are. We make changes for drastic things that are small things, yet this where we are losing people and losing children, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, all gun violence is horrible. And, and, and mass shootings at, at nightclubs and, and malls and everything are horrible. But you would think that schools would go, oh, wait. Wait a minute, but no, it it this is so good. And and I I hope that people that are easily offended did skip this, but I, I am always Wendy hypocrisy kills me all the time. It is if people say what is the one thing you could change, um I said I, I think if I could get rid of hypocrisy, I I, I would be a happier person in you know with politics but let me get this straight to stop abortions we're going to have a law that outlies abortions Mm -hmm. but to it is not reasonable to have a law against guns to stop gun violence and it and the same people believe both things and my my wife will not watch the latest handmade season. Mm-hmm. She says it's just too painful because yeah. it's just too real nowadays. Yeah. Um got serious for a minute, but yes, okay. I, I don't I don't I I don't and and I think part of it is the people that do want some changes we feel powerless. Mm-hmm. 
And I think your organization is a good example of, no, we're not powerless. We just need right. to keep working on it. Right. We are not powerless. If, if I could just, if I could shout that from the rooftops, we are not powerless. We are making progress. Um, get loud, go, you know, join moms demand action. It's not just moms. Um, we call ourselves mothers and others. Uh, we, we take all, all comers we want, we, and we have more supporters now than the NRA has. So, you know, gun violence prevention is not a partisan issue among the population, normal people, 85% of people in the U S all people, Republicans, Democrats, gun owners, non-gun owners, believe that safety measures are important when uh, you're talking about buying and carrying a firearm. But going back to what you said about hypocrisy, people like Ron DeSantis, who's our governor in Florida, is running for president, doesn't care about his constituents. All he cares about literally is getting elected president, his own personal ambitions. Today, while the, the Florida State Senate was voting to remove the permitting requirements here in Florida, DeSantis was in a gun shop outside of Atlanta campaigning. That's just enraging, you know, the, the, and th four days after three little babies and three staffers were killed at a, at a, a school in Nashville. It's shocking to me, frankly, the, it's just beyond belief that this governor is banning books and wants to ban certain artwork and is taking over universities. And like you said, is, you know, crowing about the free state of Florida. Um, yeah, the hypocrisy is just blinding. Yeah, I had another guest from Florida and we had a lovely talk. And then after I hit record, I went, so... I didn't want to get into it. He goes, oh, no, I'm from South Florida. I'm not middle and upper Florida crazy. No, I think DeSantis <laughs> is an idiot. Well, you know, in Texas, you know, I, I I routinely email and call Ted Cruz and John Corwin. And I I am furious at their response is, thank you for reaching out to me. Let me explain why your opinion is wrong. Mm -hmm. Please let me know if there's anything else I could do for you. Right. It just, yeah. Period. And yeah, it, you know, and, and it, it's just, um, so anyway, um, so thank you. Go ahead. If I could just, you know, like I said, we are making progress, even yes. in the free state of Florida, we're making progress with mom's demand action. We have, yeah. We work with school boards, um, and these efforts are taking place over years, you know, several years of building relationships and building trust with superintendents and school boards and parents. In I believe we're up to six school districts in the state, uh, including Hillsborough County here where I live and where my son went to public school. Um, we have helped school boards pass resolutions to commit to secure storage information being sent home to parents. So that means that's our Be Smart program. So that encourages parents and caregivers to make sure that their guns are locked up. The ammunition is stored elsewhere. Um, they're modeling good behavior about firearms around their kids. And uh, we have 
helped get that information out to literally millions of parents around the state. So we're very proud of that work. Um, and also, we we haven't given up on this legislature. We just, uh, at the beginning of March, we had our advocacy day. We had about, I believe we had 250, maybe 300 volunteers that convened in Tallahassee, and we met with 70 legislators and talked to them about permanent carry. Um, we, you know, at some point, someday, we will have people in office again who believe in gun safety and who value the lives of children in the state over dollars from the gun manufacturers. I so hopeful. That is very helpful. Uh, MothersDemandAction.org. Um, I am going to go, I'm going to sign up, I am going to explore more. Um, and, you. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I think that's hold tight to your anger. Don't mm -hmm. fall to your fears. Yes. Right. Yeah, to bring it back to Bruce. Yeah. You know, it is bring on that wrecking ball and, um, it, it is, Good people, faith will be rewarded. We've got to keep working on this. So thank you for sharing your wonderful story and that passion. Thank you. Okay. It. Guys, you can come back. We're back on Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I hope nobody left. That was oh, a yes. conversation. <laughs> I hope not too. And I, I appreciate that. Um, so uh, we've got to figure out how we can go to a show together. Right. So this would be so much fun. I appreciate it. Um, next time, because I've already kept you over an hour. I'm so sorry. Next time I want to hear all about Jacob's music and because you seem to be very proud of him. Rightly so. He is a young singer songwriter in Nashville trying to make that happen. I'd love to have you and him both on and talk about how you influence this music and stuff. That would be a blast. Oh, my so, goodness. Okay. Oh, so we'll have to make that happen. All right. Uh, before I let you go, though, I end every episode with the Mary question. Uh, if you are a friend of Wendy's or maybe you are a feller MDA and you're listening to this as she makes you proud, um, Jay Armstrong is a writer, a retired high school English teacher. But when he was teaching, he would take the song Thunder Road, give the lyrics to his students and they would debate it and talk about it as if it was a poem. Uh, he would talk about the imagery. He would talk about the themes. Uh, he would compare this to Robert Frost poems. And at the end of the two days, he asked his class the question, does Mary get in the car? Mm -hmm. So, Wendy, <laughs> I'm in. Uh, tell me, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Mary gets in the car. Absolutely. Absolutely. If she doesn't, my entire like philosophy of life and love and passion is out the window. Uh, no pun intended, but yes, she gets in the car. Mary gets in the car. I love that. That's great. Uh, <laughs> if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Wendy okay. Malloy. Okay. Okay, good. We'll out there. All right, uh, Wendy, this was so nice. Thank you for staying up late. You're on East Coast time and you stayed up late for me. I had so much fun. Thank you. It is, this was a joy visiting with you. So I, I any final thoughts? 
Thank you. I've, I've appreciated it too. Likewise, it's been, um, it's been great talking to you. Well, sounds and good. I'd love, to get, love to get my kid on here with you too. That would be, that would be a blast. That sounds fun. All right, listeners go check out mom's demand action. Thank yeah. you. Follow Wendy on Twitter and let's look for each other on an upcoming show for now. Be kind, be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gags. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page. And support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.